You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Hello, yoga teacher. Welcome to episode 20 of the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Today you get to listen in on a single strategy session with college writing professor and yoga nidra aficionado, Allison Whipple, as she and I work together to create a plan for her business that is outside the box of what she sees happening around her in the yoga community and the yoga industry where she lives. I was really happy with how much ground Allison and I were able to cover in this session. During our call, we refined her niche. We planned two signature offerings. We created a rough promotional plan. And we addressed some mindset issues that she had around marketing. When yoga teachers pay me for a strategy session, single sessions are usually 90 minutes instead of 60, which gives us time to go a bit deeper. For Allison, I would have used that extra time to sketch out a timeline of the next three months with goals and action steps towards that goal. And I would have also liked to be able to address her mindset issues in a little bit more depth. For people who work with me in an ongoing way, we do start with an initial consult that's similar to the one that I did with Allison although 90 minutes. And then we follow up with a weekly or bi-weekly check-in and accountability call where we can address obstacles as they come up because they always do. So it's really awesome to have a plan and amazing to have steps. But as Allison describes in the episode, implementation can be a whole nother beast. It is so helpful to have somebody who really understands your business to check in with and to keep you on track because it's incredibly easy to get distracted and to tell yourself stories about what's really important. When you work with me, I want you to be confident that I'm 100% in your corner, but I'm also not at all emotionally involved. So this allows me to provide a more balanced perspective to keep you on track towards your goals and your vision in a way that's compatible with your deepest values and your ethics. After you listen to this episode with Allison, consider if you'd benefit from getting this kind of support for your business. I would love for you to book me for a strategy session. If you want to do that, go to teachingyoga.net, click the link at the top that says work with me, and that'll take you right to my online scheduling software. I am incredibly inspired and so grateful to the yoga teachers who I've had the privilege of working with in these strategy sessions. I have to admit, It feels a little bit vulnerable to put these out there on the podcast, but as I mentioned to Allison during our session, there's two reasons for this. The first one is to help others, so I really hope that listening to Allison will give you ideas for your own business, and the other is to help me grow and get better at what I'm doing because I I really love it. I hope you enjoy getting to be a fly on the wall during this conversation with Allison, and I will see you on the other side. All right. Are you ready to start? I am. Awesome. Why don't you tell me, I know we already, you know, I, I remember we had a conversation 
during my 100 conversations project. And so I remember a bit about, you know, your training and, and your focus and how that's, I've been keeping tabs on how that's been evolving. But since it's the on-air coaching, it'd be great for you to just kind of summarize how long you've been teaching, what you've been teaching, and how your focus has been evolving. And then you can take that into, you know, what you want to talk about today. Great. Uh, so I've been teaching for 18 months now, which uh, when I calculated that, that was, uh, I can't believe it's been that long already. And I started sort of just doing a hodgepodge of things like I think many yoga teachers do. Um, and I've been working primarily at uh, the Moto Yoga location in Austin, Texas. And so I would teach, I'm not Moto trained, so I don't teach any of like the Moto branded stuff, but I would teach some flow classes and Hatha classes in the hot room. And then I, they have an unheated space in the Austin location. So I was doing yin and restorative and some unheated vinyasa. And uh, over time, I felt like the more I taught, the more I began to realize like what didn't work for me. And I realized like, I'm not a vinyasa person. <laughs> it's just, that's not uh, really how I operate. So I started really decreasing my time in the hot room um, and really only like going and teaching in there if they really needed a sub. And I started focusing pretty much entirely on restorative. And also I have a very active yoga nidra practice. And while we don't, you know, offer that uh, as a class at Moto, it's something I've decided I really want to make the focus of my teaching. Right. Awesome. So before we get too far into this, uh, Allison has her adorable puppy on her lap. Um, so the sound of the little clinking, his, his, or her, is it? Sorry. He, What's his name? He's very clean. He's like, his name is Simon. And uh, he's like, oh, you're in the bedroom. I need to be close. I just, I just got in from a few days out of town. So he does not want to leave me ever. <laughs> can, can we unhook his collar or something so that yeah, the yeah. bell doesn't clank? I love having him there. So restorative and yoga nidra. Yeah. Which I think they're really good compliments to each other. Totally. So I asked you to, you know, so that's, that was where you started with, okay, this is what I want my niche to be. Mm -hmm. It's restorative and yoga nidra. And I asked you to reframe that from what do I want to teach to who do I want to help and, and what do I want to help them with? Yes, absolutely. And this was a really useful exercise. So one of the things, one of the first things when I started making my list is I'm interested in working with people who are struggling with some kind of like blockage in their life, um, especially like a creative block. So maybe like someone who's trying to write a novel uh, and they're really stuck <laughs> and, you know, that's really hard. So helping them like overcome those blocks. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be creative. Like I know it's like can be stuck to like be caught in a job you hate and trying to figure out how to move forward from there but someone who's dealing with a, a blockage in particular that they want to work through no this is awesome actually it's perfect because you know the listeners might not know but you are a poet right yes yes i am um so that is actually a really beautiful niche and just as a reminder, because this is the thing that I feel like I have to keep repeating over and over when I talk to yoga teachers about niche is that niche does not mean that you are categorically rejecting everybody outside of that definition. It's about, 
your language. It's about getting clear with your language. Who are you talking to? So yes, you can absolutely decide that you're talking to creatives yeah. or even poets. You know, I don't know. You're in a relatively big city. Yes. So <laughs> potentially, at least for some offerings, you could do, for example, restorative yoga and poetry. Yeah. Yeah. And so I used to, I've actually taught a workshop that was, it wasn't really restorative, but it was uh, yoga and creativity in general. And it had a, a mix of uh, asana practice and, and writing practice in it. And that was a lot of fun. And I would, now that I know what I'm doing a little more, I'd like to go back and refine that and, and rewrite it. Yeah. So one of the things that can be really helpful with a niche is that you can actually shift it around based on what your particular offering is. So you can say to yourself, you can know, okay, I'm in general, my niche is people with creative blocks. Mm. And then for a certain event, you can say, well, for this event, I specifically want to work with writers. Or for this event, I specifically want to work with people who love poetry. Right? So that it doesn't have, it doesn't have to be like this fixed you know, forever permanent commitment. I think in one, one podcast episode, I, I said, it's not a marriage. Yeah. I remember. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it was the, like the second one in the, in the niche series. Uh-huh. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So you want to work with people who are struggling with creative blocks, blocks of any type, but really the more, the more focused and clear and specific you get, the easier it is to come up with content and the easier it is to talk about what you do. Right. So right now you're, are you, you're still teaching at Moto Yoga? Yeah, I'm still teaching there. And, um, I'm actually doing a, a Nidra workshop there this Saturday, which I'm excited about. But I'm working to uh, expand into maybe getting some uh, some private clients, which it's always challenging. Uh, so, but expanding into privates and maybe even possibly leasing some inexpensive studio space of my own, not like a full blown, you know, center or anything, but just like a place where I could go. That's not my because obviously I've got my dog, but like that's not my house where I could like meet people and you know do privates there. Awesome. Like I'm really, I'm really inspired by my acupuncturist who like has a, she's a, a sole proprietor who has a computer community acupuncture room and she's just like got a small space and you go in and you get your acupuncture and it's like not a big thing. It's just like the lobby in the room and that's it. And it's really, it's really nice. And I love her vibe. Yeah. So what that makes me think of is like perhaps, um, a cooperative space mm -hmm. since this isn't your only, the only thing that you do, you also teach right? Yes. Yeah. I teach uh, writing at Austin Community College. Yeah. So I actually have a podcast episode planned with a woman who is in the Bay Area who runs a cooperative yoga studio and her, like, it's been really amazing where basically she organizes it all. And in exchange for organizing it, she gets dibs on the prime time slots that she wants but then everybody contributes and she actually pays a little bit less per hour, basically. Mm -hmm. um, so she gets compensated for being the organizer in that way, but everybody promotes their own classes and everybody like owns their own business and contributes to the rent and contributes to the upkeep. So rather than, you know, having this 
when you do it alone, you are taking on a, a you know, a certain amount of overhead and then that creates stress <laughs> for, <Yes. laughs> for a business owner. Whereas when you do it collaboratively, you can really make it almost like a no brainer financially. Yeah. And there are, there are actually two cooperative oriented spaces in Austin I'm looking at right now. I'm in the process of, I'm actually taking a business plan class and working on a business plan plan for my yoga teaching business. And so right now I'm sort of going through and trying to weigh like which one of these in terms of like price, in terms of location, in terms of which one might be more uh, proximal to like my, my target audience, uh, trying to refine that down and, and uh, make a decision that's part of my business plan. That is awesome. So yeah, especially in the beginning, it might make more sense to join a co-op space rather than taking on the extra effort of organizing it for sure. And when we're talking about your target audience, so the thing that really comes to me, and I'm curious, you know, how this, how this feels to you, but Austin is a big enough city that there's probably multiple colleges and universities and you already are steeped in that world, mm -hmm. you know? And so then you're talking about, okay, I want to help people potentially creative people, frankly, most academics have a creative side to them, whether, you know, whether that's explicitly art or it's like research creativity or, you know, whatever it is, it seems like targeting the, you know, the faculty of higher education would be a niche that, that could kind of fit really well with your background and your experience and what you're trying to offer. Yeah, I'm actually thinking right now, uh, you know, I hadn't, it, it hadn't occurred to me until this moment, but ACC actually does have like a wellness committee uh, that occasionally puts on things. And I realized, oh, I haven't heard from the wellness committee in a while. Like I could probably, and I know they have like a yoga teacher on staff at ACC who does like lunchtime things for the employees, but like, oh, maybe we could do a, do a thing <laughs> or definitely, uh, you know, even during finals, cause they target all of the like stress relief stuff towards students, but faculty are pretty stressed out during finals as well. <laughs> that is such a good point. Yeah. And, and definitely starting with your own community is a perfect place to start. And as you develop programs that are specifically for, you know, college professors, mm -hmm. then you could take that out into the, into the wider community, you know, to, right. the other, to, to other schools, basically, I could see like a very full business just serving uh, college professors. Yeah, that's actually that hadn't occurred to me. But yet, especially because on my list was I was thinking like, I, I probably my target audience is someone a little older, you know, people in their 20s, among other things, they tend to want to do, you know, <laughs> vinyasa, <laughs> like, it's just something I've observed taking a lot of classes, like the Nidra classes in town. There's only like three. Those tend to be attended by people who are generally a little older. Yeah. So, you know, someone who's an established professional who's, who's, and trying to balance things like work and family and their creative projects could really benefit from this. Yeah. And, um, you know, when I think about college professors, there's, they basically have three things going for them. One is, this is not, obviously, this is not completely blanket, but as a general rule, and I say this as I'm, I'm, the, I'm the daughter of a college professor, so I'm, <laughs> I'm also, I have grown up in this, um, 
not exactly grown up because he went, he started his, his career a bit later in life, but I'm definitely, you know, pretty connected to that, to that um, population, but they tend to be open-minded. Yes. You know, especially if you compare them to like broad, broad general population. So we've got open-minded, we've got educated. Those two things do kind of go, go hand in hand. And then we have, you know, they have a stable job. Now I know that, (laughs) I know that when you're talking about adjuncts, um, and community college professors, it's not like, it's not like an incredibly lucrative position, but it, it, there's enough there. It's not like they're not, you're not targeting somebody who's in poverty, right? So you're talking, targeting somebody who definitely has the resources to pay you to help them providing that you hit on a problem that they recognize as being a top of mind problem they have the resources to pay you to help them. Absolutely. I think that's, that's super, that was definitely something I was noticing. And that's something I've been also thinking about as I've been writing this business plan are who are the kinds of people who are most going to be not just interested, but, you know, able to do things like, like do privates or even like, you know, really small group things. Yeah, absolutely. And the cool thing is that once, when you narrow down like this, when you know, okay, I'm developing programs for, for college professors, it becomes really easy to talk about it with them because you know their language, you know what they're struggling with. So instead of having to speak in really general terms, you can speak in specifics to them. Mm-hmm. And I've actually, there actually have a couple of people in my department who have, as far as I know, like don't do a whole lot of yoga. They're like really excited for my Nidra workshop on Saturday and they're coming. So, oh my gosh. Uh, okay, so here's an, here's an assignment. After that workshop, get together with them for tea or coffee and talk about it with them. Ask them, you know, what got them excited about it. Mm-hmm. Ask them, you know, what their experience was. Ask them how you would, how, it, how they would describe the experience to others and what benefits they received. Yeah, that sounds, yeah, that sounds like a, a really great idea. And I'm sure they would be really happy to talk about it. Awesome. I was really surprised when I looked at the class list and I'm like, holy cow. <laughs> We're kind of honing in on a really awesome niche for you. And now, and you know, you're, you're looking into places to places to pretend, potentially see people privately. What can be helpful is to start coming up with some signature programs Mm-hmm. basically like some some different offerings we always think about what we want to offer and then we think about how to get people there and the way that that has shifted for me in a in a, in which is has been so so successful it's like been this huge turnaround in my ability to get people to attend my events is to start with what are people wanting and needing <laughs> that i can help them with and then you create an event around that. And by the time you get to the point of marketing, you, you, there's very little work to do because you started with the benefits for the audience. So for example, one of the things that, okay, let's talk about your, your workshop that you want to work on, that you want to repeat that you've already done. Right. right? Tell me about what that was like. What was that about? And so that was like, I actually hadn't even officially like formally started teaching or doing a teacher training yet. I, I just was like, I want to do this workshop and I threw it together. 
not threw it together like I planned it, but I definitely did not do know a, a ton of what I was doing. Uh, but the way it's structured was there was sort of an opening, an opening meditation. And then we would do some asanas sort of centered around a theme related to creativity. And then we would pause and I would give them some time to reflect on a prompt that was related to, related to their creative process. So it wasn't just for writers. It was like I had musicians there and uh, and writers and a couple of painters. Um, so it was reflecting on their process. And then we did a couple more asanas, again, focused around a theme. And then I would pause and give them time to reflect on that theme. And we repeated that about four times. Uh, and then I gave them a, a guided shavasana and, uh, and that's how we wrapped it up. And then did you get feedback from the people who attended at all? I, I did. Uh, it was, they had it, the studio had it via email feedback. So unfortunately I did not get a ton of like a huge response rate because you know how it is with email feedback. <laughs> people, yeah. yeah. It gets lost in the shuffle. Uh, people generally liked it. I think one of the things people wanted was something a little like, so the, there was a lot of reflection, but people also wanted a generative aspect out of it. Um, That's so feedback. yeah, it is. Yeah. Which makes me think like that would be better to offer in a more structured like thing per genre, like one for writers, one for painters, exactly. one for musicians, because yeah. <laughs> you and, can't get all of those in the room creating at one time. And or to be frank, I would just start with writers and see how it goes and really refine that process and wait to see, do, do I feel inspired to also do it? You know, like, is there a need? Do I, do I, you know, do I ha have the same connection to painters as I do to writers? Right. Do I, you know, do I really think that I could show up for painters the same way I could for writers? Right. So would you, I mean, it sounds like you're interested in repeating this. Do you want to set a goal to repeat this just for writers? Yeah, I think that would be really useful. When would you like to do that? Um, I'm thinking through, uh, I'm thinking through my, because I have, um, let's see. Just generally, it doesn't have to. Obviously. Okay, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like right now. <laughs> right now, um, that's something I would like to repeat within the next six months. Okay, so that's, we're in September. Can we make it three months? Yeah, we can do it in three months. Yeah, we can make it three months. Okay, yeah. all right. So right now we're in September, September, October, November, December. So we're really talking about. Okay, just knowing the industry. Mm -hmm. I'm going to recommend that you shoot for January. Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking too. <laughs> and that you shoot for doing a like finals week workshop for December. Yeah. Like maybe post finals, mm -hmm. like decompress from finals, get ready for the holidays type of a, a thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think people would really, uh, people would really go for that eventually you could probably, I mean, I know you have to juggle your own finals, <laughs> but you could probably do like quite a few of those. Probably. Yeah. No, I think I did. And it, it, ACC has like a dozen campuses and it would not be realistic for me to go to all of them, but certainly I could definitely do like a series at the ones sort of adjacent to, you know, my home campus. Oh my God. You could, you could totally have your entire business all within ACC. I probably could actually. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yoga and writing.
But it's not really yoga and writing because you probably would be doing a lot less asana this time around. Am I right? Def- definitely we would. Um, and I would want to have, I would actually really want to offer some sort of nidra. Uh, I like doing like a little bit of asana just to help people's like bodies settle. Um, Cause I know that's something that like when we're all stressed out, like sometimes we like really need to just move around and sort of discharge some of that energy before we can really settle into anything. But it would definitely be, I think I would also wouldn't like break it up into segments. It would be like, okay, we're going to do 20 minutes of movement. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to do like, you know, two 10 minute writing prompts with an option for sharing. Um, and then we would finish with a long nidra. Okay. So you, you wouldn't want to do the nidra and then the writing. Um, I've been, I've been toying with that as I've thought about um, this, I- as I've thought about this idea and like sometimes people, I mean, sometimes people fall asleep and then they're just not really like they wake up and they're not really in a headspace to write because mm-hmm. they're a little groggy. Right. I mean, ideally people don't fall asleep, but the reality is people come and they're worn out and they're, they're going to fall asleep in class. <laughs> so right. I also thought about the possibility of like a little asana, like a 10 minute writing prompt to sort of get your brain primed and then a nidra and then another 10, 15 minutes of writing at the end. Yeah. Okay. How long would the nidra be? Um, probably this one would be in the, let's see, thinking of how much, like if I'm thinking in the scope of 90 minutes, so this one would probably be about 25 minutes. Is that how long the workshops usually are? In Austin, it seems like workshops are, go for about 90 minutes. Yeah. Well, but like classes, <laughs> really? classes, classes, most classes are only 60. So like 90 minutes is like a long time for people. Like, but like, I remember like when I first started, like a workshop was like three hours, like it was your whole afternoon. It was great. But like, that's not. <laughs> Bear in mind that your audience are writers. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like they're not, and you're only giving them 20 minutes of asana. Yeah. Potentially. Right. You might start with a 90-minute one and then experiment with two hours. I find two hours to be really good. I would love to have two hours. <laughs> then just do two hours because, yeah. you know, you're not, you're, not, you're not marketing this as a yoga workshop. You're not That's marketing true. this to yoga people. They don't yeah. have any expectations about what this is going to be. Yeah. You're marketing this to writers and you're helping writers with the tools that you have. They happen to be from yoga. But you don't have to follow the rules of the yoga police. <laughs> no, that is true. I'm not. I'm not targeting to the uh, to the market. It's like I want to get my sixty minutes in, and that's that's it. <laughs> yeah, and like I like I said, these people don't really have any expectations because this is something different. Yeah. So with that time frame in mind, how would that change what you would offer them? I would probably, I would do a full 30 minutes of Nidra at that point. If I, if I had two hours, um, I really like doing, I mean, you could even go longer, but I feel like 30 minutes is ideal for a lot of students. Uh, and it's also, it feels really fits in really well with just sort of my natural rhythm and pacing. Like when I write these and then practice them, no matter what my script is, they all seem to just come out at about 30 minutes. <laughs> so 30 okay. minutes feels really good. Just um, in my teaching and definitely I could then give them a little more space for writing, uh, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, which is what they would want. Yeah, absolutely. So you have 20 minutes of movement and then you had a 10 minute writing prompt, but maybe you want to increase that to 20. 
uh, if we're doing, I find in a lot of workshops, like 10 to 15 minutes for like a prompt. Like if we're just doing a quick generative thing, 10 to 15 minutes, like 20 minutes, then people start to like, it's a, it's just like 10 to 15 minutes for a little prompt sprint is sort yeah. of enough. Yeah. Okay. But I could do actually, I could do like a sprint prompt and then a nidra and then like an option for a, a longer, like yeah. sprint, right thing. So maybe after the nidra, you get them moving again a little bit just to compensate for the people who fell asleep. Yeah. <laughs> like 10 minutes of movement. Mm -hmm. And then you could do a longer, you know, you can even invite them, hey, feel free to bring something you're working on mm -hmm. or you can use this, you know, to, to generate. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes so a lot like, of sense. You could do like 30 minutes of writing and then we still have 20 minutes left for the two hours what would right. you want to do with the last 20 um, minutes well, i always like to budget 10 minutes for the inevitable introductions shuffling people around uh setting up <laughs> okay so um, then you have 10 minutes left like maybe um maybe a 10 minute meditation yeah i think a 10 minute meditation would be good awesome and that meditation could even be like a it could be a choice whether they want to be seated or reclined mm -hmm. It could almost be like a hybrid Shavasana slash meditation, but guided. And that would be a nice way to close it out. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So let's talk about how we would promote this particular mm -hmm. workshop. Yeah. So I think one of the things I struggle with, I mean, among other things, you know, like restorative and nidra practices don't lend themselves well to lots of flashy photos, but sort of one of my impulses is like, I'm a writer. I work with text, uh, so it's really hard for me to not get too text heavy. Mm. Uh, you know, you want to explain the benefits of things, but also it's an advertisement. Like people are not people are not going to sit there and read like this whole one page flyer about why this is awesome. Right. Um, well, there's the whole. As a writing teacher, you probably run into this. It's much harder to write a two page paper that's good than a five page paper. It is. My <laughs> students don't believe me, but it's true. <laughs> So, right. So you'll use text for sure, but let's, let's back off and let's actually talk about, you know, what is this called? You don't want to call it yoga and writing. That's boring. No. What's the benefit? What, why should people sign up for this? Titles are actually like, I'm thinking, I'm like, I'm brainstorming, like, what would I call it? Titles are actually as a writer, like they're the thing I always come to last or like they come to me like in a flash when I'm like in the shower <laughs> and not at like a normal yeah. time. So it can always be like a very... Uh, it can be a working, working title. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to emphasize it's, um, it's writers uh, specifically. So I don't want to, I don't want to get too, I mean, part of me like wants to call it like creative consciousness, but then is that, you know, a little too broad? What about a mini retreat, mini writing retreat? Yeah. Cause that, that kind of gives us the, um, the feeling like, okay, I'm going to be taking time for myself, time for my writing, but it's mini. So it's like something that I can handle. I can put it into my life. I can insert it into my life. Right. No, that makes, yeah, I really like that. Okay. So now we have a title and whether you want to change that or not, it's totally fine. Yeah. But we have a title that describes accurately what it is in a way that your audience can relate to mm -hmm. in a way that that 
you know, describes the benefits of signing up really, really succinctly, right? So you're offering a mini writing retreat and then in the bullet points is going to be, you know, get your blood flowing and with creative, with, with gentle movement, easy movement, whatever, all, all the other things you, but you, you, you want to talk about it in terms of benefits instead of in terms of features, right? So instead of talking about, Hey, we're going to do yoga Nidra. Oh yeah. <laughs> why, why are we going to do yoga Nidra? What's the outcome of yoga Nidra going to be? Right. And then, so then we have, we have kind of the text, we have what, what we're going to say to people. And then we want to figure out, well, how are we going to reach people? Are we going to, you know, do you have access to sending out emails to all the writing departments in your, in your college? Mm -hmm. What, so do you have any, any thoughts about this? Uh, Well, actually, I have a couple of Facebook groups I'm a part of like that are, you know, sort of writer oriented that I know people would definitely be interested in, in that. And um, in terms of like marketing within the college, my college actually like has fairly strict rules for how you're allowed to like use your ACC. Of course. You know, email. But I could actually like print flyers on my own and like distribute them in mailboxes because for, if you, if you print your flyers on your own and distribute them to mailboxes, that's, that is not as frowned upon as uh, mass email usage. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I love, like, I actually love having flyers and I love having like print materials that you can like hand people like here, here's a thing I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you're going to schedule one yoga and writing mini retreat. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't even put yoga in the title. I would just put mini writing retreat right. in the title. Mm-hmm. And you're going to talk about it on some Facebook groups. You're going to print and distribute flyers. Um, the other thing I would definitely do is reach out to your local, to your network. Like who do you have, who do you know, especially that's a writer or that is connected to writers and is kind of a connector type of person, you know, and you always know those people. They're like, they're always coming up with like, Oh, I know so-and-so you should do this. So reach out to those people and depending on, depending on how warm your connection is to them, you can either just send them a quick email, say, Hey, I'm doing this, please forward it on or, or post it. If you feel inspired to anybody who you think it, it could be helpful for, or if you have kind of a, a less warm connection with them, but you think it would be, you know, it would be worth your while to, to, develop that connection you can invite them to have tea with you or coffee with you I don't know what the culture is like <laughs> writing culture might be more coffee the yoga culture tends to be tea <laughs> <laughs> and just you know hang hang out talk listen to them and mention it you know almost in passing not exactly in passing but hey you know don't make it like the focal point of no yeah yeah of the conversation, but bring it up and have a flyer ready or whatever. Yeah, no, there, I definitely know a couple of, of people um, who are really like really strong connectors like that. Yeah. Awesome. So that's perfect. And then your other, the other one we're looking at is like a decompress from finals mm-hmm. and you can do the same process with that one. Mm-hmm. 
where you basically think of, okay, so now here your audience is basically any professor, right? Exactly. And you're going to schedule it for like pretty immediately after grades are due. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And probably actually if I'm working with the wellness committee, they'll actually like do a lot of um, promotion, like alongside me as well. Like I wouldn't actually have to do it all myself. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So the other thing that, that I think we should do for both of these is set a, um, a goal for attendance. Mm Mm-hmm. How many, you know, especially, so I don't know, do you have a, a venue in mind for each of them? Uh, for the mini writing retreat, I would probably do one of these like collaborative spaces because they already have any like props on hand I would need, like if I needed bolsters or whatever. Um, and they, while it, like a lot of people do like have leases, they also definitely rent space out for one-time events. Okay, cool. So, and do you have a sense of how many people they can fit? It depends on the room, but they can usually fit. um, I think their largest room can fit about 20. Okay. Yeah. This might be different for each of these, but how many people would feel comfortable to you to have there? I think, honestly, I think 20 would be like a lot. (laughs) Like just, especially if like you're trying to give people a really comfortable space. Like I have like there's a, a cap at 20 in my workshop for Saturday and it's almost full. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, how am I going to like <laughs> work with all the, like, I'm so excited that so many people are interested. I'm also like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> how am I going to fit all these people? Yeah. Um, uh, but no, honestly, I think like 12 would be a perfect, like upper limit for me. Awesome. So you have a limit of 12 mm-hmm. and then what do you have to charge to make 12 people you know, considering your rent, and I know yeah. we're still estimating what that rent would be, mm-hmm. what would feel really good? Mm-hmm. Or do you, I mean, you can, since it's, it's not your first time doing this, but yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of your first time. Yeah. You can definitely have a sense of, okay, in the future, I'm going to want to charge this. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the other thing is that for, with such a, you're only trying to get 12 people. Yeah. That's not a lot. No. And you're, you already have the experience that even with a broader niche, you're not having trouble filling a space of 20. Mm-hmm. I would say prices on the higher side. Right. Do you have a sense? Do you have any kind of... Well, if I had 12 and, and I mean, like, honestly, like, so I'm, I'm just, I'm working with my little calculator right now because I'm uh, terrible at math. Uh, <laughs> Um, but even if I like, so on the, so I, on the lower, well, and part of it is like, I feel like the market is skewed in Austin and part of it is because it's so big and part of it is like, it's so membership based, like that, like what people here consider high is like, not what I would consider high at all. You know, you're not, you're not right. The market, the yoga market in Austin has no bearing on this workshop. (laughs) That is true. On either of these workshops. Yeah. Um, So don't even worry about that. Yes. That is true. What, okay, you're a writer. Mm-hmm. What what would feel like a a really fair price for you for a two hour mini retreat? I would pay 150. Wow. I mean, if it, it, uh, <laughs> that's great. Okay. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing: if that would feel really good to you, if that's what you would pay, then chances are that your colleagues would feel the same. Yeah. 
That is true. I'm, I'm trying to think of like other things I've been to and, and two hours, like the range tends to be like eh, 50 to 200 and like, you know, like 200 seems like, I'm like, that's like, ah, that's a little steep, but like, you know, 150, like that's something, if it was someone I really wanted to work with, I would definitely pay 150. Gotcha. So that would be a total of 1800. Yeah. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, okay. So if it were me, I would start with a hundred for the first one. Yeah. See yeah. how that goes. Mm-hmm. And then for sure, if you get a wait list, yeah. then know <laughs> that you bump it up next time. Absolutely. And I would bump it up to 125 and then, you know, potentially land at 150. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely don't want to, don't want you to undervalue yourself at all, but. No, I, that's like something I really, that's something I really struggle with. <laughs> is under like I have a tendency definitely to undervalue uh, my work so uh. but it's fair to to stair step up mm-hmm. you know to have a goal that feels like really awesome yeah but to stair step your way up so that you don't put too much pressure on yourself yeah no you know, absolutely and like 100 is reasonable and even that I'm like oh my gosh I'm asking people for so much money <laughs> no that I, I mean I think that's perfect yeah um, you know, probably it, it's, it's totally up to you, but you could do it like 98 or 99, yeah. you know, that's that psycho- psychology thing. I have no idea if it works or not. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, but I, I worked for a martial arts guy who like swore by it and he was, he's been in business for 35 years. So <laughs> yeah. maybe there's something to that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause that would still be, you know, an awesome hourly rate for you. Yes, it would. <laughs> and then you know I mean I would do the same thing how about with your your um your post finals Mm -hmm. workshop how many people would you feel comfortable with in that one um and that one I think I could go honestly up to like 15 or even 20 because it's a it's a different thing like I'm trying to like help people relax and guide them through like a relaxation practice which is a little different than getting a bunch of people in a room and being like okay now we're going to be creative (laughs) okay awesome yeah and I would err on the side of 15 with you know the potential to get a wait list yeah versus setting a goal of 20 where then if you don't, you know, like I'd rather that you hit your goals the first few times, because this is, this is always like with the intention of building. Yes. And if you start aiming too high, then it, it can be easy to kind of like, uh, feel defeated if you don't meet your goals versus give yourself goals that are more doable. I mean, I honestly think that you're going to be able to, you could fill three of these, you could fill five of these, mm-hmm. you know, but but let's start in a way that doesn't overwhelm you. And like, it's, it's that, well, I'm just maybe speaking for myself, but I have a tendency to get like really gung ho about things and then like dive all in and then exhaust myself. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm, I try to be like, okay, be a little bit more in your cerebral cor- cortex, be a little bit more thoughtful about this, start slowly and build. Yeah. Awesome. Well, so those sound like two really amazing um, signature programs that you are uniquely qualified and, you know, able to not only fill, but also teach. Mm -hmm. And 
they could potentially be pretty lucrative. Yeah, they definitely could. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this could be an awesome yoga teaching career right here where you don't ever have to teach a hot vinyasa flow class <laughs> and you don't ever have to compete in the Austin yoga scene because you are, you found your own home, you found your own niche, you get to define your own terms, you define, you know, you get to set what the rates are, you get to set what the expectations are, the time frame, all of that, because you're, you're not operating inside the box (laughs) of what everybody else is doing. Mm How does that sound and feel? That makes a lot of sense. That feels great. I'm really excited about, about uh, having these programs, uh, and uh, developing them. Nice. So one of the things that you mentioned in the beginning is that you want to start seeing private clients. Yes. Can you tell me what makes you feel that way? I mean, like I love, like, so I have a regular Monday group class and I like, I love all the people who show up, but I think to like really like be the most effective I can be with what I want to offer in terms of how I help people, it's going to be best to like work with people one-on-one because, you know, like if you're, if I want to help with people work and help people who have creative blocks, like everyone's block is different and everyone's project is different. And so what's going to, you know, help one person is not necessarily going to help everyone in the room. So if I want to be able to be able to work with people in a really like customized and and direct way I feel like even though it's obviously like less like I don't know I mean you know it's a group class you definitely get to work with more people but I I don't know that sort of focus of like the one-to-one almost more like like tutoring than like teaching in a classroom you know like I've always like I always loved like being like when I worked as a tutor I always loved that one-on-one interaction being like okay here's what you need here are the exercises I'm going to give you to help you with what you need to improve as a writer. Um, awesome. Yeah. I love that, that sort of direct customized interaction. So is your vision that you would be working with writers here or are you kind of, you know, are you still feeling like, Oh, I'm go- I want just in general creatives. I think writers would probably be a, a good place to st- start because that's what I know best like I've, <laughs> I've been writing for a long time um I definitely I have experience in in other arts as well like I trained as a musician for many years and I trained as a dancer for many years um but certainly writing's always been my my home base and the place where I'm strongest okay so that that's awesome and I know that within you know in, in a city like Austin you have you're gonna have plenty of of clients to be able to to do that with. And I would still stick with your, I would still stick with your college professors as your target market, mm-hmm. because unless, if you were in the world of professional published creative writing, then I would definitely look to be in that world. Mm-hmm. But since you're in this world, this makes more sense to focus on. Yeah. And so as far as starting to fill those slots up, Here's some recommendations. One is to rent out, you know, a space and set aside one day a week with a certain number of slots. Mm-hmm. And then, then you have the goal to fill those slots. And you can, 
you know, you can put sticky notes up at your desk, like one sticky note for each slot, for example. And then you, you have kind of in your visual field, oh, okay, this is my work, mm-hmm. right? And then I would think about a way that you can regularly produce content that is directly related to your audience and what you want to offer. So for example, you could record miniature meditations, little meditations, and you could release one per week. Mm-hmm. Or you could do Facebook lives talking about, you know, creative blocks and, and, you know, tools from yoga to help people overcome creative blocks. What you when I say this, do you have like a bunch of ideas coming to your head? Yeah, absolutely. And I've been wanting to do uh, recording meditations actually for a while now. And I actually, I, I ordered a, a Blue Yeti microphone and it arrived yesterday, but it arrived damaged. So I have to <laughs> back to square one on that one. <laughs> I was like, ah, I'm so, I was so, exci- so excited. Um, I've actually been pondering Facebook Live uh, definitely as, as well. I'm a little like less than like, I've, I've only ever done one Facebook live and that was for work. Um, but definitely that's something that I'm like, that could be really, uh, really fruitful as a way to, uh, you know, connect with people. It could be. The one thing that I want to recommend is that you pick one medium Mm -hmm. and you stick with it for a while, like quite a while. In that case, my impulse is to go with audio. Yeah. Like I'm just way more comfortable uh, behind a microphone than in front of a camera. (laughs) Yeah. And so what, you know, one thing that you can do eventually is once you are pretty established with your weekly meditations is that then you can start doing a Facebook live just to send people to that meditation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. But you can add that in later so that you get the rhythm going first, because the thing about creating content is, is the most important thing is that you do it regularly. If you don't have a regular practice of creating that content, you will fall off the wagon. Right. (laughs) So it has to be like a commitment to yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, you treat it with the same sacred mentality as you treat your practice. It is a practice. Yes. With that, you create this, sense of rhythm and sense of expectation that people start to realize, oh, I can count on her. And they develop a relationship with you and you become, you will become the person that they will turn to when they're ready to do the one-on-one work. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So the, the other, when you're doing one, when you're doing audio like that, then you want to think about how to host and distribute that audio. Mm -hmm. The easiest way would be to do it in a podcast form, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, That makes sense, yeah. Um, There is some expense involved in that. There are podcast hosts that will host you for free, but they they then own your intellectual property, which doesn't seem like a good trade-off to me. No. I'm, I'm not, uh, I, I'm not into someone else owning my content. No. <laughs> yeah. But if you made your episodes only like 10 minutes, mm-hmm. then you could probably get like a $5 a month package. Oh, nice. Yeah. I use Libsyn, mm-hmm. L-I-B-S-Y-N. They're kind of the gold standard for podcast hosting, but I can't say that they're the best because they're the only ones I've ever used. Fair enough. <laughs> 
with that $5 a month plan, you don't get really great stats. Mm. So um, I think my plan is 15 or 20 a month, the one that I use, but I have longer episodes. Right. So that's worth doing some research into. There are also some newer podcast hosts that offer a little bit more of a, um, an all-in-one package where they, you know, they have tools to help you with sound quality and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that's worth looking into also. And then the, you know, the, the meditation, the weekly meditation will be pushed out to all the different podcast distributors. Like the biggest one is Apple Podcasts, but there's Spotify is getting big, Stitcher. Um, there are more Google Play, I believe, also distributes podcasts. But then it's really up to you to promote it. Yeah, absolutely. And again, the Facebook Live can be a way of, of promoting it. Sending. Do you have an email list? I do, yes. I use MailChimp. Yeah, I do too. But they, their, <laughs> their server went down yesterday, so I started getting emails that people weren't able to sign up for my email list. Oh, so okay. I'm, I'm going to look into <laughs> um, possibly switching over. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I would send out an email every week with the new meditation in it for yeah. sure. Yeah. And it'll be easier. Like one of the things I struggle with is promotion, but I think it will easier be easier to like send out an email list and, and, you know, do my, you know, social media updates. If I actually have something to, you know, talk about <laughs> and promote. Definitely. What is, what is challenging about promotion for you? It's really just like in the balance of my day to day with all of my other priorities. Like that's always the one thing that's so easy to just be like, Oh, I'll do this one. Like it's nine o'clock at night now. Like I've worked, you know, 10 hours today. I'm tired. I'll do this tomorrow. Like that's always the thing that's so easy to just let fall to the bottom of my to-do list like on top of you know going around and like the work of like the work I do at the college or my work of like actually going and teaching students or you know teaching yoga classes like that it because it's so intangible it like it's easy to slack yeah does that happen even when you have a specific event that you're trying to fill Yes, it does. Um, because, you know, I've been promoting this, you know, I've, I've got this workshop coming up and I wrote myself like, here's a plan. Like I wrote a marketing plan with all the stuff I was going to make and the schedule and the places I was going to take it. And I got about halfway through it. And then I like lost steam and just like, <laughs> um, yeah. and I've still like managed to obviously I've still managed to get a pretty good sign up rate. So like, man, imagine like, Imagine how good it would be if I actually could follow through on these. And part of it is just like, I get, I get tired and then I'm like, uh. <laughs> well, you may have over, overestimated how much work you needed to do. Yeah, that's true. I know I tend to overthink it. I tend to make a big plan and think that I'm going to have to like really hustle to fill things. And then a lot of times I don't need to do as much work as I thought I did. If you do the homework, if you do the background work, Mm -hmm. then a lot of times they will kind of fill themselves. Right. The other thing to ask yourself is, is there an emotional component to avoiding this? Which I'm, I just say this because I know there is for me that I was, I was writing something about this yesterday about how there are some people who visibility feels really safe for. It feels validating and really wonderful. But for me, visibility doesn't feel safe. It feels, it, it feels really vulnerable. And so I have to 
name that and own it and be bring it out into the forefront in order for me to be willing to be visible and vulnerable. If it's hiding in the background, that's when it starts determining my behavior without me even realizing it. No, that makes sense. It's definitely like always been really hard for me to like talk my, uh, whether it's anything like even I have a book coming out and I'm like, Oh God, like I've got to like now go tell everyone about like, there's something about like, I don't know if it's, you know, visibility so much as like, okay, now I'm making a thing and people might show up and now they might not like it. (laughs) They might not like it. Yeah. Like that's sort of like, now I have to produce this thing. And what if, what if it actually turns out to be terrible? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Cause they definitely, some people won't like it. No. And I'm like, intellectually, I'm aware of that, but like, there's this, like, there's this deep, like rooted fear of, of, you know, like of judgment. (laughs) like now I'm putting stuff out there and I might be judged for it. And that is terrifying. Right. So for me, what I have to do in that moment is, is sit with the feeling of being judged prior Mm -hmm. knowing, Oh, I am going to be judged. What does it feel like to be judged? It's like, for me, it's very anxiety producing. Well, then that's, that's, that's a cover feeling. Okay. Anxiety is a cover feeling. So this is worth sitting down with and, and doing some practice with what does it really feel like to be judged? And, and if anxiety comes up, then you you pinpoint that anxiety and, and put it under a microscope. What does this really feel like to be judged? And then if you can, so you can preempt like, oh, well, now I've already felt the judgment. <laughs> now I, I'm just going to go out and do it because I've already, I've already felt it. <laughs> had the worst consequence that I'm afraid of happening. Yeah. It's already happened to me. I've felt it. And then you're free to go and do it. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. It hadn't, it hadn't really occurred to me that like, yeah, I was sort of like psychologically holding myself back from this. <laughs> And then there's two, there's two thoughts that really help me when I kind of get myself stuck into that, in that mindset. One is who can I help with this information? Who might this help? And who, who am I depriving from my help if I don't share this? And two is what can I learn? The only way that, or really the major way that we learn is by making mistakes. Yeah, so even if we put out some work that really doesn't land well mm-hmm. and we need the judgment and the feedback and we need to have produced that work in order to grow. Yeah. So if we can, if we can just decide to keep putting the next foot in front of the other and keep producing the work and keep putting ourselves out there, that's the only way we're going to get better. Absolutely. So those are the two stories that I tell myself, you know, in the face of that fear of being judged, first you actually feel the fear and then you remind yourself that you have two missions with this work. One is to help and the other is to grow. Yeah. That makes sense. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, it, it feels like you've got a good start for a process for how you can approach starting to work with people one-on-one. Yeah, absolutely. And I can't believe how much we got done in an hour. <laughs> I know. Yeah. 
Do you have any, any final questions or anything that you want clarification on? Um, at the moment, we actually, we've really thoroughly addressed all of my uh, things I was struggling with today. So this has been super awesome. <laughs> Yay. Yay. That's, that's amazing. And I definitely want to get some follow-up from you. Mm -hmm. So if you, yes, get those things scheduled and you come on to the Facebook group and post and let me know when you're, you know, when you've got these things scheduled. So I'd love to, I'd love to know when you have your two workshops scheduled. Absolutely. For sure. And I would love to know about your first meditation mm -hmm. that you release. Yeah. I'm looking, looking forward to getting my equipment finally up and running and working. <laughs> do you have, do you have a goal for release for your first release? Oh, I had planned to do one. I had planned to do one in about a month, but now we'll, we'll see what, how long it, you know, takes to get it. It doesn't take that long. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What are the steps? The main thing I need to, aside from, you know, hardware is right now I need to refine what I've written and practice it on it, like practice it on my roommate. No, no practicing. <laughs> yeah, you can practice, yeah, but you don't have to. Okay. I'm like, I'm very much, I'm, maybe this is my dance and music background. I'm very much like a rehearser. And part of also like my process for writing is like, I need to say this out loud a few times and like hear it. Okay. So here's what I recommend record it once. Mm -hmm. That's your rehearsal. You don't have to really, you don't have to release it, record it and listen to it. That's your rehearsal. Don't practice it. On, I mean, you don't have to practice it on another person because it's going to be different practicing with the mic versus yeah. without the mic. True. So practice it with the mic, record it. That takes you 10 minutes, mm -hmm. right? Listen to it. That takes you another 10 minutes. Record it again. That takes you another 10 minutes. You're done in 30 minutes. That's, that's true. That's actually, yeah, that's not a huge time commitment. Maybe it'll take you, you know, you can a couple hours to research the, the podcast host you want to use, a couple hours to set it up. Sure. But you could easily have this done in two weeks if you've got a busy couple weeks coming up and one week if you're not busy. Cool. Yeah. Two weeks is, two weeks is reasonable. So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I have a, September, October is always a, a hectic time for my work so <laughs> totally okay so first meditation released in two weeks you know if we were working together on an ongoing way then we would also be setting goals as far as how many private clients and you know getting the space set up and all that kind of thing but for this for this context I think those are some really awesome goals and I think that the um, members of the group are going to be excited to to hear your progress and maybe we'll do a follow-up episode. Yeah, that would be fun. Like I'm, I'm really excited to dive into this. Thanks so much for coming on and uh, being willing to share and, and be overheard in your process. <laughs> no, thank you. This has been really, really, really helpful. And I've actually, I've cited a couple of podcast episodes in my business plan references. So like, I'm definitely learning a lot from, from everything you put out. Awesome. Okay, so now you get to help keep Allison accountable if you want to. Keep an eye on the Yoga Teacher Resource Facebook group where she's going to post updates on her progress. Once she does, make sure to give her some virtual high fives. If you're not a member yet, I'd love to have you join by going to teachingyoga.net 
and click the link at the top that says join our community. If you do feel inspired to book your own strategy session now, I'd love that. Please go to teachingyoga.net, click the link that says work with me on the top right corner of the page. There will also be a direct link in the show notes. So if you know how to access those, that's another way to get there. And if you're not ready for that yet, but you're loving the podcast and are looking for a way to say thank you, I would appreciate so much a review on iTunes. That is all for today. Until next week, please remember to take time for your personal practice.